I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. Boundless Space Sashin, Talk 6, Day 5. The Contours of Silence. Attention is love. Rumi says, listen, listen and feel the beauty of your separation, that unsayable absence. Listen, listen and feel the beauty of all that you are. Right now. the stillness, the spaciousness, the silence that you are. All-inclusive awareness. Zazen this practice of seated Zen meditation that we are engaged with during Sashin, Zazen is a posture of devotion. We have this mudra, the cosmic mudra, where the left hand is placed um, on top of the right with the fingertips overlapping and the thumbs coming together. Cosmic mudra, it's called the coming together of the two sides of the body, the uniting of the energy channels within the body, a kind of taut alertness held in the hands, the whole universe held in the hands. Zazen is a posture of devotion, a yoga, a union. Yoga means union. A union of being and non-being. A union of terror and bliss, of wholeness and absence, of life and death, of silence and sound, stillness and motion, forms and space. Any, anything that we can divide into polar opposites, Zazen is a posture of union. Both sides of any duality included. Stillness and motion, forms and space, wholeness and absence. In Zazen, we bear witness to the joys and sorrows of a life lived with attention. And we don't get to choose. Both heart rendering and heart opening are the way, the Tao. Every experience, every sound, an opportunity to stretch our capacity to hear, to see, to know, to attend, to care, to open, open, 
this heart-mind attention and to know the fleeting, flowing nature of all experience. We are happened moment to moment, sometimes a hug, sometimes a threat, sometimes a wild coyote call, sometimes a blossom. Seemingly so simple. And I feel like we say it all the time, but it's worth repeating because the ego mind is so sticky and self-centered and thoughts can apparently or appear to obstruct. So I'll say it this way this time. If we want our lives to be other than they are, we suffer. If we want our lives to be different than they are in this moment, the only moment we are alive, we suffer. The shape of that suffering, so intimate. Zen, the Dharma teachings point to essential truths. Call them the marks of existence. This is how reality is. And you can observe, experience it. Before Sashin, we were uh, doing a reading at breakfast here at the monastery about uh, three aspects of teaching. And the first is hearing the teaching, hearing the Dharma teaching. So we have these Dharma talks, we have pointers in the Zendo. We say a lot of words, we read books um, to remind ourselves of the essential truths, to hear the teachings. Next, we need to contemplate the teachings. It doesn't necessarily mean think about them over and over again, but bring them close. We know with hearing, we can hear something and it can flow right through and the next moment we're totally forgotten what we heard, the essential truth that we were reminded through that reading, through that chant, through that Dharma talk. So we also need to take it in and contemplate it and begin to understand in our own language, in our own worldview, how that teaching might make sense, how it might work, what it's pointing to. And then we need to experience it directly. And that's the practice of meditation, getting to know the teachings from the inside. Then the truths are unshakable. So we can understand things conceptually. And I know most everybody who's practiced even just for a while has had that experience of something shifting from a conceptual understanding to a deep knowing through direct experience. So Dharma teachings point to essential truths, and I'm going to say some of those truths, the three marks of existence. And this is something, again, you hear, you contemplate, and then you, you get to know more and more intimately in your direct experience as fundamental truths. One of the marks of existence is there is no inherent self no separate self, no fixed identity. 
Life is constantly changing, fluxing. We call this impermanence. That's the second mark of existence. And all phenomena are like this, empty of self-nature. Thich Nhat Hanh says, interbeing with all things. So empty of an inherent, fixed self, yet totally interconnected, interbeing composed of all things. And, so all phenomena are like this, empty and evolving, changing. And if we want or think that we are, or our friends are, or our family members are, or our life situations are permanent, fixed, unchanging, we suffer. And that suffering again is intimate, can be felt as resistance, friction, dissatisfaction, grasping, fear, confusion. As we listen, we become more sensitive to silence. Now I'm talking about the listening of direct experience. The listening we've been engaged with during this sheen, during the meditation periods, and outside of the meditation periods. Listening, listening is constant, and as we listen more deeply, we become more sensitive to silence. Silence, as many have said, is not silent. It's alive with sound. Listening can open up the layers, the nuance of sounds hearing tones within tones of the heater, within a voice, chanting, helicopter, car. Perhaps when in really quiet spaces, hearing the crystalline tone of the inner ear, what some mystics call the nada sound, which is also not silent though sometimes called the sound of silence, dynamic, many tones. Listening deeply brings every sound to the level of hearing, and hearing is pure sensation. Hearing is pure sensation where sound is sound and each sound ungraspable in its nature transforming within your awareness. The moment you become aware of sound, it's already gone. The moment you become aware of sound, it's already evolving, changing, becoming the next moment. Our opinions and judgments of the sound happen much later. Many more sounds have already passed through unnoticed, unappreciated 
in the time it took us to judge or even label a sound. Hearing, though, is pure sensation, and we can always come back to that direct, intimate knowing, that direct, intimate experience. Hearing is pure sensation, and we are invited to listen as a newborn child. Each sound fresh, completely new, no words yet, no concepts, just Each sound felt with the whole body, creating a, a universe. What is it to hear with this purity of attention, to let ourselves be infants? Blue Cliff Record, Case 80, Joshu's newborn baby, or Chaochu's newborn baby. A monk asked Zen Master Chaochu, does a newborn baby have the sixth consciousness? Chao Chu said, like tossing a ball on swiftly flowing water. The monk also asked Toadzu, what is the meaning of tossing a ball on swiftly flowing water? Toadzu said, moment to moment, non-stop flow. The sixth consciousness is the mental consciousness. Andrew Holichok says of the mental consciousness, the sixth consciousness, the busybody, making sense of putting together the information from other sense fields to create a cohesive narrative. This narrative we goes unchecked most of the time, the narrative of my life the ongoing sense of me in the middle of the universe where my life happens, where I'm in control, where I know what's going on, or I don't know if that's the position I try to take. Zen koans give us the opportunity to step outside of the concept-making mind step outside of our confined identity of who we think we are, step outside of the sixth consciousness. And this koan in particular invites us to step inside, to float back into infancy, to remember our way back into other ways of perceiving and being that were once so natural to us. To hear with the openness and spontaneity of our infancy, of our childhood, that pure simplicity of hearing where hear and heard are one, crack, pop, wah! Who hears? When sounds happen spontaneously, (laughs) 
It's no time to make a story. Hear and sound one. Sounds hear themselves. Self-aware. There's not someone in there doing the hearing for us. It's just a sound. Listening like a baby doesn't mean to retreat back to infancy. It means listening from the silent innocence of your original mind. That hasn't gone anywhere since childhood. It's functioning freely all the time. Let yourself be this innocent. There's a writing by Flora Courtois, um, who studied at ZCLA. She had a a very interesting story. Uh, Somebody who was just very motivated uh, as a mystic on the spiritual path um, before she discovered Zen. And because of her curiosity and just interest in the nature of experience, she had some deep, deep experiences um, of original nature and writes very clearly. And I've always been inspired by her writings and there aren't very many of them. And this is a writing she did called The Door to Infinity about, about attention. At the heart of Zen practice, there is a kind of radically intimate attention. This absolutely firsthand quality of experience characterizes the beginning of our lives and, if we are not drugged, the end. No other mediates between us and the intimate aloneness of birth. No memories, No thoughts, no plans invade this pure innerness with their shadowing images. So too in the spare simplicity of our deaths. Here, attention is reality and reality attention. But in the days and years of our living, somehow we lose touch with this clarity and think to possess ourselves in images. In so doing, we fall into a bad case of mistaken identity. We think our living. We think our living instead of living our thinking. Yet the opportunity to be restored to our original unborn divine condition is always immediately at hand. There are are no real or absolute contingencies. Every moment lived in absorbed attention is simultaneously a beginning and an end, at once a birth and a death. In such attention, we are radically open to the unexpected, to letting life live us. Any event, however small or seemingly trivial, properly attended, 
opens the door to infinity. In Basho's famous haiku, the plopping sound of the frog jumping into the clear, still pond rises whole, perfect, and infinitely mysterious. No time here for meaning to be added or we'll miss the next plop as it comes. There's a bit of Faust in us all believing as we do that the more we learn about something, the closer we are to it. Not so. Any event fully attended uproots all our knowing at the source and carries inexhaustible surprises. To use the language of instrument design, we may say that when we quiet all the interfering noises in our system, we then maximize the information in the messages we pick up and transmit. Yasutani Roshi said that shikantaza, the practice of just sitting zazen, is like standing in a clearing in a deep forest knowing danger is about to strike, but not knowing from what direction. If we focus too much ahead, we will miss it if it comes from below, and so on. Total, uncluttered readiness for the unexpected is what we need. If we think we've got it at one moment, we may lose it at the next. The point is that all phenomena, all dharmas, whether seen or heard or felt or whatever, and whether pleasurable or painful, it matters not. All with exception open us to reality if we give ourselves to them. True attention is rare and totally sacrificial. It demands that we throw away everything we have been or hope to be, to face each moment naked of identity, open to whatever comes and bereft of human guidance. Nor is the potential for pain to be underestimated. Nor is the potential for pain to be underestimated. Now we come face to face with the radical fact that there is nothing however dear, that cannot be taken from us from one moment to the next. Nothing, however sinister or horrifying, from which we will be permitted to recoil or separate ourselves. All the dreadful, mute suffering from which inattention shielded us will now be seen and heard. Another name for such full attention is love. Another name for such full attention is love. It's one of my practice slogans I come back to over and over again. True attention is love. Listening is like making love with the world, hearing so intimate. Making love with one's own life is to be in it fully. How can we know the lover from the loving? 
When we attend to something, we fall in love with it. We are tenderized by it. We are opened. During Sashin, I have fallen in love with urinals, walls, plants, rocks, mosses, birds, buds, all kinds of people. People sometimes talk about this at the end of Sashin, reporting their love for a spot on the floor, a tree in the forest, a bug, the smell of compost. To love is to care for, care about, to become responsible to. This full attention of listening beckons. It says, I dare you, fall in love with your life, every part of it. Take full responsibility for it, for every being, everything, every situation you encounter. Responsibility not in the sense that every challenging thing that happens in life is your fault, but responsibility, able to respond. Presence, attention allows us to respond, makes us able, ready to respond to the next thing. A student asked their Zen teacher, what is Zen? The teacher replied, an appropriate response. Listen, listen and feel the beauty of your awareness. Feel the space you are inhabiting right now. The space of your being, the unsayable silence. Dharma practitioners companion what ordinary people or the ordinary mind may feel are stark truths of reality. Companion absence, companion openness, companion silence, companion spaciousness. Andrew Holichak says, when we familiarize ourselves with silence, we can always go on retreat and we don't have to go anywhere. Recognizing, hearing the silence, the inner silence of our own minds when the thinking mind is quiet, when we can detach or step back from the barrage of thoughts. There's a certain mystic impulse in those of us who are drawn towards Sashin, an impulse to know what is behind the flashy, changing phenomena, to know the depth of life and experience, not just at the surface, to appreciate the silence as much as the sound, to appreciate the living as much as the dying, the new life as much as the lives that are fading, 
the quiet calm as much as the city streets of a protest or shopping mall. To appreciate nothing to do as well as lots to do. To appreciate being as much as doing, listening as much as expressing. What do you know of the void? The night sky asked a solitary being walking home in the dark. A question that brings great pause. What do you know about the void? What do you know about inner spaciousness? A question that brings great pause, perhaps fear. In the Zendo, I feel the space of my awareness extending, extending out, around, to the far reaches of the universe, sitting cozy though and calm with other practitioners. I can let go into the spaciousness of my body, dark and endless without bounds. I am universe. Yet, the universe feels bigger and more impersonal as I walk to my room after late night sitting, cold catching the contours of my physical body, that void, this universe. Body and mind feel separate temporarily as wander and hesitation swap seats. Am I alone here in this universe? Is anything watching? Is the universe alive or inert? Am I alive? What is this fear? Fear of vanishing. What is this fear that the darkness entertains. What deaths are okay? And which ones are feared? My attention is heightened to the existential questions that call out in the dark, the ones that both intrigue and frighten the call of the mystery pulling at my robes, my flesh, my thoughts, pulled by something much bigger than the smallness of my own limited beliefs about me, my body, my house, my little life here in Klatskanai. How will you greet the darkness, welcome the void, make space for spaciousness? for the fears as well as the mystery of the unknown. Every moment comes with an opportunity to silence, to companion silence, to fall deeper into the spaciousness of our own being. What do you know about absence? 
What do you know about silence? The space at the bottom of the exhale inquires. When quiet comes, how long are you willing to linger in it? Before the mind starts telling a story about what just happened or trying to figure it out. Pause. Let's breathe together OM and tend to the bottom of the exhale and sit there as long as you're able. Listen to the silence of your own mind as well as the tone. Silence. What is it? The absence of sound? The absence of trying to get somewhere else. The absence of trying to listen, of reaching out and trying to get sound. The absence of opinions and preferences regarding what comes into our field of listening attention. Listening to silence is for me, sinking into presence. We have this phrase in Zen, taking the backward step, letting attention step back from the surface of things, the thinking mind, and sink down below the thinking mind as if awareness was an ocean and the activity of getting, doing, thinking, planning, trying to make something happen, judging, liking, not liking, trying to control experience, all of the habits of mind, the habits of the narrative self or the separate self-making self, all of that is on the surface of the ocean which at times can be very active and complex and quite interesting, frankly. And sometimes we can think, oh, I need to tame these waves. I need to fix them. They are too rough. They are too big. They are too salty. And yet the ocean of awareness is vast. And we are just talking about the surface The ocean of awareness is vast, huge, and really, really deep. Deeper than the Challenger Deep in the Pacific Ocean. As we practice Sashin, we begin to open into, sink into this deep ocean that is vast. Still, silent, knowing awareness. The waves are less of a problem when moving from the depths. 
And what are these depths? One way to sink into our depths is to practice actively pulling back from the thinking mind. Sinking with awareness into the space of the body. Right now, try closing your eyes and see the darkness behind the lids. See what you see. You may see darkness, you may see light. Actually, look. And then letting awareness inhabit the whole body, feel into, look into the depths of the body. With the eyes closed, not making out the visual cues that, oh, this is my hand, this is the end of my body. Just feel how deep is this darkness of the body. Does it have a beginning? Feel into its center. Be interested, stay engaged. The body is spacious. The space is ungraspable, but can be explored, known through your attention, through your awareness. Familiarize yourself with the body space, deep space. It's not spacey space. <laughs> deep space, grounded, still, like the ocean's depths. Open your eyes and take in the space of the room. Let the eyes rest still in space, peripheral field of vision open. Seeing 360 degrees open. With the visual field open, sense feel into the space surrounding the body above, below, 
behind, in front, to the sides, space in the room, and then beyond. Beyond the house, beyond the sky, extending into outer space, infinite space. Space includes the space of the mind, where thoughts are just on the surface. How much space, how much silence is below the surface of the mind? We can actively retract the energy of attention from the thinking mind and feel, be the space of awareness. Being awareness, which is silent, spacious, still. Listening simultaneously to the inner silence and sounds passing through, arising within the space of awareness. Practicing with inner silence, let the throat relax. The vocal cords actually move when we think. So intentionally relax the throat, bringing spacious attention to the throat center can help the mind quiet. Then notice what hooks attention and collapses awareness. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is a practice of familiarizing ourselves with openness, with space. Like Flora Courtois said, we have mistaken identity. We're used to habitually collapsing around certain thoughts, certain patterns of body, certain emotional states. And in Zazen, we have the opportunity to be the space of which those phenomena just move through. 
I have a few more things I'd like to share. You're welcome to continue sitting in spacious awareness or collapse back into a separate self. Or somewhere in between. Uh, this is another, um, another, thing, uh, another writing by Flora Courtois. This is from a book called An Experience of Enlightenment. So ever-present that we seldom recognize it, this primary mode of perception is available to us at every waking moment. We can experience it by doing nothing more special than not doing what we spend the better part of our lives doing. We have only to sit quietly, breathe naturally, becoming aware of small eye jumps and sub-vocal dialogue by letting them quiet down, neither tracking nor following anything. We then open the field of perception to whatever occurs, neither clinging to what has just passed nor anticipating what is next. A bird may fly across the field, a child call, a car start. That's all, no more. All the principles of Zen practice are embodied in this radically simple attention. In noiseless silence like this, real practice begins. Deep, fully alert silence is the most holing and holy of states. It is the fallow field in which the seeds of enlightenment flourish. There is literally nothing that cannot be done and done better within its nurturing embrace. I now feel quite sure that when eyes and voice are stilled, one cannot perceive from an egoic perspective. The separate self is a boundary phenomenon, largely embedded in speech and thought. When these subside, the ego gives up its dominance and sinks in a sub into a subsidiary role. I believe that undramatic as this may be, it is the source of the experience of no self that is so vi vividly described throughout the literature of mysticism. So long as we remain an I who meditates or an I who aspires to enlightenment, we remain trapped in the age-old contradiction. With the ego absorbed in this immediate and intimate attention moment to moment, there is no separate experience of enlightenment, no path, no chasm to be bridged. No longer living in the old way, we are lived. Nothing has been lost. All our skills, strategies, relationships, and memories are available for service to a more harmonious mode of being. Far from becoming special, we become more down-to-earth, direct, and natural. We become as little children with everything we have ever learned since in our pocket. All the energy we previously expended in support of our separate selves is now free to flow in the Tao, 
in the way of working, dancing, laughing, sleeping, just living. So we learn to trust this quiet, simple way of being, to familiarize ourselves with the quiet of our own minds, to companion it. It can seem wrong or scary or bring a sense of panic. Silence is a kind of death a death to the egoic self, the thinking mind, which we have invested a lot of time and energy in. So companioning silence, turning towards silence, is something that we have to relearn. Allowing ourselves to be simple is something that we have to relearn. Yet we are called to silence as we're called to practice sashin. This is uh, from Zenju Earthlin Emanuel. She says, if we let it, the silence shakes us. Still, we accept the invitation to sit because we are daredevils, willing to die in the silence in order to live. We are thrilled by the possibilities and dangers of silence. It removes our armor and shields so that the earth can get close and whisper in our ears. Deep silence leaves everything out, all of what you know and think you have. Courage is one of the factors of enlightenment. I encourage you to bring yourself up to your edge to the edge of what is known, to the edge of fear. Dip your toes more fully, immerse yourself more completely in the silence. Dive in for periods. Die a little bit in the silence and discover your true life. Your life free from concepts, opinions, shoulds, oughts, your life of pure attention, awareness, silent, spacious, still, all-inclusive with nothing left out. <laughs>